everyone, Michelle Seidling here with another episode of Food Experience Unplugged. Today we'll explore how to use motion as medicine to lower your risk of disease and feel your best. Here to help us do that is master fitness trainer, David Frost. This podcast is available on multiple platforms, including YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and others. Please be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform to be informed as new episodes become available. If you enjoyed today's episode or any of our episodes, please rate and review the podcast on your favorite platform. Also, be sure to check out our website at foodexperienceunplugged.com for some resources as you begin your health journey. David Frost, welcome to Food Experience Unplugged. Michelle, thank you. I am glad to be here. I love experiences and I certainly love food. So thanks. <laughs> ah, well, you've come to the right place because we're all about food, both on and off your plate. So I'm so happy to be here as we talk about motion as medicine and how to integrate motion into your life, basically. But to get started, will you introduce yourself for a moment and tell us what brought you to this point in your life and in your career? Oh, boy. I've been around a few blocks a few times, Michelle, so I'll try to spare your listeners and, and keep it brief. Um, but I was born on the crest of a wave and rocked into the cradle. Of, no, that's what I used to learn in the Navy. But, uh, but I'm a Vermonter by birth. Uh, Uncle Sam's Navy sent me uh, to various parts of this crazy world, uh, so I gained a lot of experiences. Um, my folks were um, always encouraging me to uh, stretch and grow whether it was my first uh, pull up as a Boy Scout or uh, a water safety thing in a, in a cold, uh, dark colored body of water in New York, just uh, it challenged me and challenge is always good so that we don't get on a plateau and, and not uh, strive for a brass ring. So after Uncle Sam's Navy and after um, uh, getting uh, married to a wonderful lady, uh, we decided to stay in San Diego after moving around a fair bit. So. Uh, we decided to leave Uncle Sam's full-time employment in 1981, and I decided that I would um, join the running craze, the Jim Fix running craze, the joy of running, and become a marathoner, even though at that point I was a, well, a Clydesdale. Uh, but uh, there is proof that a Clydesdale can still finish under three hours and do it without hurting himself or perhaps herself. And in my case, uh, I was a marathon runner, uh, which was kind of nice because you only needed a towel and a water bottle and some good running shoes to, to do it, to move like our forebears did when they had to hunt for their dinner on the plains or on the pompous. So um, that was all well and good, but life kind of dealt me a, um, everyone faces a little challenge or adversity. Just before September 11, 2001, I herniated my L5-S1 disc pretty badly. Um, my left calf was atrophied. I wasn't getting uh, the neuromuscular system to do the things I wanted to do. So I had uh, invasive surgery. I had spinal fusion, which put me out of commission at the age of 49 from doing the thing I love to do. So after uh, wearing a corset for six months and walking in a pool, which was the only exercise I was allowed to do for a number of months, I was able to get back to walking. And my wife said, you've got to go find something else to do before because you're not to run anymore. You don't want an L5, L4 fusion because you don't have room in your back for all that metal. So uh, I got back to my sport of crew. I was honored to be a collegiate rower, um, but after a 29-year absence, I was able to get back into a sport I've always loved and continue to practice um, probably five to six days a week now. Um, we're not on the water quite as much because of this crazy pandemic, but I sure spent a lot of time sitting down and going nowhere on an indoor rower and teaching others how to row and have fun. So that's kind of me. I'm a retired Navy guy. 
Uh, I'm lucky enough to be an adjunct professor to teach uh, uh, organizational behavior, soft skills, teach experiences and how to profit from them. And uh, proud grandpa, you know, I've got two delightful kids and two, so far two delightful grandkids that we hope to see a little more often. So probably that's me. Master fitness trainer, uh, former world champion in outdoor rowing and former national champion indoor rowing. Uh, last March 1st, just before the pandemic, I was honored to sit next to the guy that set the world record for my age group. That's okay. You know, there's only one world record setter and I, uh, I chased him, but he, he beat me, but that's, you know, that's the experience. And he's a wonderful gentleman as well. So, wow. I thought I was going to be short, but I wasn't Michelle. That's me. Oh, no, that's Frost. okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So master fitness trainer, was that kind of a natural next step for you after all of your crew experience, your running experience? What was that spark that helped you decide to become a master fitness trainer? There were, there were three things. One was the spinal fusion. I had to remember how to do the things that I was able to do or try to do the things I was able to do as a uh, just uh, a new master's rower. So that was part of it was my own physical challenges. The second part was corporate America kind of said, Dave, you got gray hair and you're an overhead guy and maybe you want to go find something else to do. So I was kind of a casualty of lean uh, corporate America. And uh, the third thing was I have a passion for trying to help other people on their journey. So it's those three things, my own physical challenge, uh, the fact that I needed to do something for my livelihood other than, you know, put in my 60 hours a week for a, either a small, medium or large corporation in America. And the third thing was I've just sometimes I'm guilty of trying to teach people how the watch works instead of saying what time it is. But I do love to share my experiences and I've had a lot of them. So those were the three things, Michelle. Thank you for asking. Okay, you're welcome. Wow, that's what a diversity of experience melded together <laughs> as, a, as a master fitness trainer. Now, with yes. our topic yeah. today with motion, why, why the focus on motion? I, you know, with master fitness trainer, you could have emphasized a whole host of different uh, topics, but why motion? Well, if I could uh, approach it from a couple couple different angles. The first one with a platitude, if you don't mind. You've probably heard it. Sitting is the new smoking. Bad things happen when we, as knowledge workers in corporate America, God bless the farmers and the people that are actually moving for their jobs, but most of us in the IT age are information technology age or knowledge. And unless we have a standing desk, we sit and we sit too much. Um, now we may work from home, so we don't commute, but we probably sit because it's convenient. So sitting, that platitude really has merit. Sitting is evil. You don't move. You don't support your spine. Uh, you don't keep your internal organs aligned. You don't uh, breathe properly with your diaphragm. So um, the modern age has thrust inactivity upon us. Isn't it interesting in relation to that? So uh, activity generally is down. And consumption of food is way up. Uh, I believe it was an accurate, incredible statistics. It's, over the last 50 years, we Americans have consumed 500 more calories a day. That's a pound a week more than we did 50 years ago. And with the fast food nation, we are consuming simple sugars that turn to fat, cause prediabetes, cause insulin insensitivities, many evil things because we became a corn economy, we became inactive, and, the, and it's a very simple yet hard solution or approach, if not a solution, motion is medicine. Moving to sweat and to exhale 
more carbon than you breathe in or more carbon than you ingest, you want to exhale more carbon dioxide. Now, of course, you can urea is part of that, sweat is part of that, but the biggest way to lose fat is to breathe a lot, and that comes from moving. Isn't it interesting that if you if you just happened uh, a lapse, maybe with your kids or grandkids, you went to the Golden Arches and you got a Happy Meal that had a Big Mac, supersized fries, and a soda, your body, if you don't move, takes one full day to metabolize that carbon. Most wow. of it sugar, some of it fat, some of it protein. A day per Happy Meal, that is scary. A pound a week because we don't move. Our energy equation is out of whack. Uh, we don't move generally, and we don't uh, watch portion control, and we don't eat the good macro and micronutrients that we should to stay lean, to stay mobile, and to hunt for our next dinner. We've gotten pretty laid back and mellow, haven't we? So uh, motion is the key. I'm not saying it's um, simple. Uh, it's hard. It's very hard because of habits and the need for persistence and not relying on willpower or New Year's resolutions. Motion has to become an ingrained habit some folks refer to it as muscle memory, um, and if we want to use that term, we could, but it's, it's an ingrained habit. 43% of our habits are subconscious. The ones that work, you're dialed in. If you see, um, if you go to Starbucks, do I get a cappuccino with milk and do I get a sweet roll? Guess what? Five hours to metabolize that if you don't move. So we have this energy equation, orthogonal or, or contrasting, if I could twist, uh, too much too much carbon ingested, not enough carbon exhaled as CO2. That's this simple solution is breathing and motion and sweat. It's hard, but that's the way to do it. So mm, wow. that's so it's moving from the platitude to chemistry, it's an issue of carbon. Now there's more, but that truly the, the primal thing, uh, the fundamental thing, the primary thing is we eat more than we sweat in, in atoms and in molecules of carbon. And if we don't watch it, it turns to white fat. Now we need fat. We need fat to absorb some of those vitamins that are essential micronutrients, but we need healthy fat. We don't need, you know, the trans fat. We don't need too much saturated fat. Uh, and we certainly don't need simple high glycemic index sugar. Almost any good lifestyle diet is low on sugar and, and, and more on the other macros of, of protein and healthy fat. And if you eat the right blend for you as an athlete, each athlete is different, but as you tune your own uh, dietary ingestion, you'll find out that you perform better as an athlete. And everyone is an athlete, no matter what your physical challenges or liabilities. Um, you know, those of us that are lucky enough to work with wounded warriors with either a mental or physical uh, trauma from uh, boy serving our nation, uh, we can encourage them to develop the unconscious habits just like they did at boot camp. But in this case, the unconscious uh, habits of portion control uh, for your meals. Uh, eating the right things, not the convenient things that are Madison Avenue and uh, <laughs> providers of uh, sugar and salt and fat on the shelf uh, give us. So motion is medicine. Long-winded answer, Ms. Michelle, but the key is move to sweat and breathe heavily. Now, there's lots of ways to breathe heavily. Some are more pleasant than others. <laughs> and um, But the point is, whatever you do, and it can be in a simple block of time, one block of time, or it can be spread out throughout the day in activities of daily life. Uh, but the point is, an average, I advocate an average of 30 minutes a day, six days a week of doing more than sitting uh, and staring at an e-game or a, a series on Netflix in these pandemic times. 
it is so important. It could be three 10 minute blocks. It could be uh, one 30 minute block, um, but it is so important to get your system moving so that you uh, restore, rebuild, uh, and recover with sleep, good diet, all those things. So motion is interrelated to so much in life and we are not sedentary we're not a rock. We're not a bristlecone pine. However, that pine lives 4,000 years, but it doesn't have to move. Uh, and we're not a fungi or a fungus and thank God we're not a virus. Although we have plenty of, um, you know, viruses in us and we also have lots of fungi in us and our wonderful guts. But, uh, uh, overall motion is kind of the key. It's related to how much carbon we take in and how much carbon dioxide we exhale with water vapor and other things. But that's it, that's, uh, but hard, but hard. We spent our life doing it. And I would hope that your listeners know how important it is. When I first started um, hitting the workplace, um, there was a kind of a rule of thumb that you might gain two years of longevity with aerobic exercise, regular aerobic exercise. 45 years later, now people think it's 10 years because we're learning more about the biochemistry of our cells and our bodies. When we exercise, we actually lengthen the end caps of our DNA strands so that they don't divide as often. And so therefore, that's life extension when you move and when you provide the proper food experiences to, to sustain and fuel your uh, skeletal, skeletal, your neuromuscular system, your skeletal muscles to do fun things, whether it's mess with the grandkids or row in a boat or lift weights or climb a mountain or ride a bike, whatever it is, um, do it because it's an investment in your future. Mm, I love that. I love that. Just the focus on, um, you know, you're, you're getting the cappuccino at the store and you're okay. Now you've got to have, have some time to metabolize, but many of us don't factor that in. And some, some of us may, you may frequent the restaurant several times a day, which kind of racks up the, uh, the calories you've got to move off so to speak so how do you unless you run unless you run a marathon every other day which for many of us would cause a whole lot of inflammation and possibly lead to injury but uh, let's take a uh, east african uh, elite marathon runner probably weighs 120 pounds probably the heart is bigger than mine i've got a pretty large uh, uh, vo2 max with my cardiorespiratory system but those folks their legs are about this thick and they're born for speed and what do they eat carbs but they also run 25 to 30 miles a day in, in altitude. So if you weigh 120 pounds and run 30 miles a day, you can eat whatever you want and you'll look like an awesome elite runner. <laughs> but some of us were not born that way, uh, nor do we want to run 30 miles a day. As, 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 as much of a challenge as that is, most of us have severe inflammation if we continue to challenge our bodies that much. So in moderation, it's less energy in, more energy expended on a daily basis over time. And hopefully you will stay lean and live better, live longer. Your joints perform better. You sleep better. Uh, you get nice comments from your coworkers. When you look at the man or woman in the mirror, you say, hey, looking pretty lean. That's pretty cool. You know, So good things happen, but it's work. It's work. I don't know of any fountain of youth. I don't know of any magic pill. Uh, I sure see probably like you do, 25 to 30 junk emails a day about a magic elixir or just do this and you'll poop out two pounds overnight and be a skinny person tomorrow. Come on, you know, <laughs> let's, you know, a reality check on that. It is work, but the work helps you have a successful journey in your experiences. So, Absolutely. so I'm not an East African. I'm sorry about that segue, but um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, an Eskimo eats blubber 
and lives pretty long, unless alcohol and some of those societal things enter in, we probably have a better diet than Scandinavians, but Scandinavians outlive Americans. Why? Attitude, motion, in my opinion, as a layman. They move. A preschooler in Sweden spends six hours outside every day on average. How many wow. American kids spend six hours a day outside playing, cavorting, frolicking, being kid-like? There's a message there. You want to live longer? Move. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. That's, that is amazing. I love the, just the emphasis on getting up, getting out. Now, how do you balance, you know, maybe you may not want to be an elite trainer or something of that nature. So how in our mixture of different activities, how, how do you work with people to kind of balance what they're doing and um, in, in their with the, and integrating motion essentially into their into their day? That's sort of the sixty four thousand uh, dollar question, isn't it, Michelle? The answer is find something you like to do. Don't do something unpleasant because that's kind of silly, right? We tend to do our best in things that we enjoy. So it could be activities of daily life. It could be more gardening. It could be more uh, volunteer work as long as motion is involved. Uh, many of us do have to, uh, an average knowledge worker invests three hours a day. And let's say that's sitting. And let's just say someone's lucky enough to go to the workplace. That's a, you know an hour and a half commute. So that's four and a half hours probably sitting. What are we doing the other 19 and a half hours to counteract that inactivity, that slouching, that compression of our vertebra and our organs and our diaphragm and not breathing enough? How do we do that? The answer is find something you like. Find a time you like to do it. There are some morning larks like me. Rowers tend to be morning people because the water is often calm in the morning. But if you're a night hawk, you can still find time to do something for you. And that's the point. Your physical bank has to be invested in with motion and other things, but motion here is, is our topic. And we have to find the time to do it. Generally, 30 minutes a day, six days a, you know, uh, five, uh, six days a week, 180 minutes a week of motion to heavier breathing. It doesn't have to be heart-thrumping red zone breathing, but moving enough to have these wonderful biochemical reactions in our body to restore, rebuild, and gain stamina. We actually create more capillaries and mitochondria, those little powerhouses in our muscles, when we move to sweat. If we don't sweat and we sit, we don't build more capacity. We, we don't build more capacity, the Social Security Administration will be right. I'll die at the age of 85 if I do nothing. If I keep doing what I do, and according to calculators that I put uh, credence in, the Norwegians have a very good one, which is based on cardiovascular capacity. But Dr. Thomas Pearls uh, has a living to 100 calculator. And I would encourage your listeners to see how much of longevity is related to the refrigerator door and to clean eating. It's a lot. It's more than exercise. Granted, you know, we trainers, Michelle, uh, think that we're pretty good or we hope we think we're pretty good. But we have we don't have the impact on body composition and how you look the way diet does. So. The answer is the mixture. You, you mentioned it, mixture. Find something you do, mix it up, but do it repetitively so it becomes subconscious, a habit based on context, um, sensory feedback, and repetition. But make it fun reps. Don't make it burdensome or, God, I hate doing this, but I heard it was good for me, so I'm going to hate it for the rest of my life. That's, that's not success. <laughs> Find something you like and, and breathe heavily, heavy okay. enough. Okay, so we're not just talking about active, focused, physical exercise. There are, there are other options. Activities of daily life, wonderful. Activities of daily life. Uh, many of your listeners probably have heard of the Blue Zones, uh, where these folks tend to live to 100, 
far greater percentages and statistic analysis than uh, say Oklahoma City. That city was challenged by its mayor. There's a TED talk about it, it's wonderful. The city of Oklahoma City lost a million pounds, I believe in one year, starting with the mayor who was grossly overweight. He said, this has got to stop. This is going to become a real burden to our health our care system, metabolic syndrome, diabetes, uh, uh, falls, things like that. If we don't do something, the city of Oklahoma City lost a million pounds because it was the right thing to do. So um, it's a doable do. It does take commitment. It is work. I wish it wasn't. I wish there was a magic pill. But motion should be a bigger part of our lives as if we were agrarian or hunting for dinner. If you think about humans, I'm, I'm a simple guy, so I think of the four Fs. Fight, flee, feed, and frolic. Food is related to all of those, but in most cases, motion is related to all of those. So it's directly related to what we are, what we evolved when, when our forebears millions of years ago crawled out of the sea and started on four legs, and then we moved to two legs and had to hunt for dinner, and we didn't know what cane sugar was millions of years ago. Um, that's, that's how we got to now, eating too much and not moving enough. Okay. Wow. Yeah. It's just kind of just like what you said, balance, you know, and doing what you love. Now you've worked with countless amounts of people, you know, in, as your trainer, you know, individually, what are some success stories? How have people integrated motion into, into their daily living to, to build those habits that we're talking about? Great question. Um, I say mornings are a big part, Michelle, of your successful habits the context, the repetition, how you build the volume, the intensity, and the tempo of your motion to stay alive and, and hopefully thrive and strive longer than you would if you were a couch potato. So I say it starts in the morning. Give yourself a big hug, a great stretch. You know, the, um, the, uh, the fancy Sanskrit names for the uh, salute the sun, the 14 steps to salute the sun uh, in that series. Uh, doesn't take long, but you work your body in all three of its motion planes. You get your heart rate up a little, and you're off and walking or running. Uh, some say a cold shower is wonderful. Some say some deep breathing is wonderful. We mentioned breath before, didn't we, about motion, how important that is. So starting off the day not stressed and mindful breathing is a great way to go. And that's whether you're a morning lark or a night hawk. When you get up, hopefully without an alarm clock, you're ready to move. You're stretched. You're unlimbered. Um, unless you chose intermittent fasting as part of your lifestyle, having I say it's a rule of thumb to have 30 grams of protein in your breakfast and five grams of fiber and at least 16 ounces of water. Not soda, not juice, water. <laughs> Remember that carbon thing again? Uh, and uh, hopefully you're off and in a good way for the rest of your day. So I say it starts with the morning. Make your bed, move, get the cold shower if you can, and, and get on with a, a great you know, orbit around the sun you know, or, or, or orbit of the earth, excuse me, but do good things for an orbit around the sun too. So uh, it starts in the morning, but then uh, some workers love to work out at lunchtime to get their metabolism up. Almost everybody suffers a slump through the, toward the end of the workday. For me, it was always about 3 p.m. And uh, even if I had a morning workout, if I could get in motion at the noontime, I could stay vibrant. I could stay active. I could stay, wow, no brain fog, uh, when normally you would have a slump because of uh, insulin and blood sugar and things like that. So how you approach your day should be a very um, uh, researched and for you as an individual, I as an individual, you as an individual, each of us has a different way to approach a day, but make the most of it. Hey, we're going to be dead for a long time. So let's, let's make the most of our day, which includes motion. Uh, I don't care if you set a uh, um, 
smartphone or if you have an app on your wrist or you just remember it's quarter after, I better get up and move and I'm going to go drink water and move instead of have a soda in the, you know, the, the company uh, refrigerator. So it's just conscious. And again, it's very, it's very important that your motion leads to unconscious healthy habits that stick. Uh, Wendy, um, Wendy Wood wrote a, a fairly recent release. She's a behavioral um, uh, person, behavioral psychologist, and she talks about good habits and bad habits. And uh, she talks about people that don't get tempted by sugar because they've learned that it isn't good for them and they understand the risk reward. Hey, if I take that, you know, feel good piece of sugar, uh, as we talked about before, it's going to take hours to metabolize. And that sugar craving is probably going to last for two days. So you, before you know it, you may have had an ch- extra chip or some extra butter on your popcorn, and now you're 500 calories over what you should instead of 250. So the mindful approach to your day, any client, uh, I believe, should approach it methodically, not uh, um, whimsical or, yeah, whatever, you know. Uh, it should have, a, should have a process, not to be a burden, but to actually be an aid to make life easier, to have these unconscious habits become real. So clients. Um, I have a fair number that are knowledge workers. Most of them want to work out after work just because of their lifestyle. And that's all well and good as long as you don't work out too aggressively, your heart rate stays high and you don't get restful sleep because part of good motion is recovering from it. What do we need? We need to mimic Morpheus and get our nominally seven hours of deep restorative sleep so that you're ready to go do it the next day. So when you exercise and how you exercise, the volume, the intensity, the tempo should be tuned to your lifestyle and you as an individual athlete. Um, In answer to your question about um, what have I seen, I've seen 70-year-old slight ladies learn how to balance themselves better and realize how important it is to maintain skeletal muscle so that they don't fall. A, a slim and, and not frail, but a slim uh, lady that weighs all of 105 pounds dripping wet uh, might very likely break something, uh, even though she's active and so on. So it's motion helps build what supports our skeleton and keeps us vibrant. And oh, by the way, helps us have a higher metabolism. That's muscle. So it's uh, so that's a 70-year-old story. I work with a lot of, one of the reasons I chose Well Past 40 for the company name is in our lives, lives, and as the theme of your show talks about, you know, for mid-career people, what starts to go a little wrong? You know, you have more responsibilities on the home life. You have more responsibilities at work. Stresses increase. If cortisol goes up, probably fat goes up. Um, your storage of energy is fat. So... I've seen 40-something people that are far too stressed out about things they can't control. But one way to handle those stressors is to breathe and sweat. And sometimes the trouble, not all troubles of the world, but lots of times, uh, a lot of the troubles of the world tend to melt away, at least for the time that you're sweating and breathing heavily. So um, so those are, that's a 40-something story. That's a 70-something story. Uh, one of my rowing uh, clients is 86 years old. And her doctor told her she has to move or she's going to start to, um, you know, uh, she's going to accelerate her decline. So she's pretty committed not to working out extraordinarily. I mean, she's not going to probably set a world record for her age group, but she is moving. So there's three uh, examples from my many um, uh, exposure to individual athletes that understand the importance of motion to sweat. Okay. So out of those, they tend to be on the, the upper end of the spectrum age-wise. Now, if how long is the turnaround? Like if, for example, you know, 
whether you know we're talking the 80-year-old or the 40-year-old, if you have not been physically active up to that point, how long does it take to really turn around and strengthen your body? Is it worth, so a lot of people say, oh, I haven't exercised for years, you know, it's just not worth it. You know, is it, how fast does that turn around? How much can of a difference can starting movement in your later years make? Wonderful question. And it's so nice that as I shared this wonderful change uh, 40 years, 45 years ago, hey, you might get two extra years of life uh, because you exercised. But now we think it's more like 10 and it might be higher, but you can build muscle. The latest statistic is you can build muscle into your 80s if you do it. It takes eight to 12 weeks of pushing and moving stuff uh, to maintain or possibly increase your strength and muscle mass. It gets hard to maintain muscle mass. I get it. There's this thing called sarcopenia, which uh, from its word origin means loss of flesh. So it's going to happen. But if you move stuff, you're going to push it down the road a lot and probably have a better quality of life in your later years into your 80s. Now, that's a big change from when I grew up. And, you know, my my dad and my grandpa said, you know, 60, got the gold watch. Yeah, they're going to put me out to pasture. Doesn't have to be that way. We're learning that our bodies can do a whole lot more than uh, we thought in prior years. So, um, so how long does it take? If I can give three answers, relates to very important things as we age, Michelle. Uh, stretching, stability, strength, and four, sorry, stretching, stability, strength, and stamina, which are four of the S's in my physical bank. Stretching is the quickest, and that's important. When people ache because their 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 uh, joints are tight, their connective tissue is tight, they're probably not going to move unless they know that with um, uh, techniques of stretching and rolling and moving and getting the blood flowing, you'll be able to function. So stretching, you can improve very noticeably in just a few weeks. Stability, also a few weeks. I always ask my clients, no matter what their age, stand on your leg, stand on one leg with your eyes closed, and I'll time you. That's number one. Number two, sit on the ground and get up without using your hands like you used to do as a kid. How do you do? If you can do that, you're probably, if you can stand, if I, at my age, and it's age variant, and you're, you're probably 25 seconds, Michelle, one leg, <laughs> eyes closed. Uh, I'm, I, my metric is 15 seconds, one leg, eyes closed. Uh, so stretching and stability, they're very important to prevent falls, to support activities of daily life. And those are pretty quick in answer to your question. Strength, eight to 12 weeks of dedicated at my age, two times a week, probably at your age, three times a week is okay, because you still, you have to tear down to build up. You create micro tears in your skeletal muscle that has to be replenished, restored, rebuilt, and your muscle fiber will get a little thicker, a little longer if you do it, in your case, three times a week with a, a focused resistance program. As we get older, we take two days to recover, not one like you. So eight to 12 weeks for strength, the tough one, and the one that keeps us alive, stamina for staying alive can take months and months. Yet, if you're out in nature getting vitamin D to help fend off COVID, uh, getting some uh, time with the grandkids, getting your feet in the grass or the sand on the beach, those are, those are wonderful, mindful things. So stretching instability a few weeks, strength eight to 12 weeks, stamina for staying alive, months on your journey. Hope that answered your question. Four parts. <laughs> it did. And adding adding that many years to your life, even in, in your later years, when you think, oh, I'll never do it. But with your, your physical banking method, it's it seems very doable, even for the most sedentary of us or the most uh, active of us. Hey, uh, doctor, if I can peek for a second in one of my reference books. I think it's Dr. Leventhal. He had a study of a small study, but significant study, well validated, vetted, published, 
uh, men in their 80s significantly improve their leg strength. Now, that doesn't mean they got massive thighs, but they improve their leg strength, which helps them prevent falling and, and move and all that in eight to 12 weeks. So it's a calendar quarter to make your life better and avert a fall, have more fun with the grandkids, improve your diet, get better sleep, motion. Pushing and moving stuff is really good. Okay, fantastic. Never too late, but it's better to start early. Uh, it's tougher at 85 than it is at 35. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but never absolutely. too late. Never. Never. That's fantastic. Now, once for people just getting started, whether regardless of their schedule, you've got people working 80 plus hours a week and say, when am I going to fit this in to those who love to take nature walks? But where, what's kind of some first steps that people can take as they get started on these, these four S's and the physical banking? Yeah. Uh, and again, an 80 hour week is stressing, isn't it? It tires you out. Uh, and if you find the right exercise, it should rejuvenate you to keep going strong. Some of the most successful executives, naval leaders, military leaders, CEOs like Sir Richard Branson, Jeff Bezos, guess what? They work out because they know they're more productive no matter how many hours you work a week. So successful people realize they have to treat their body as a temple in the biblical phrase, the Old Testament phrase about treat your body as a temple. That's It's important. And successful people tend to do that no matter what the work um, load is, unless you're a physical laborer. And then of course, it's probably more that you sleep and eat uh, well uh, to restore. If you're, if you're uh, moving heavy bags of um, sand um, 12 hours a day, you probably, you got plenty of pushing heavy stuff already. But for most of us, the knowledge workers, no matter how many hours you week, you can find the time. If you're sitting, you could do an isometric exercise that works on your muscles, even though you're not moving the joints, you're creating contraction, contractions in your skeletal muscle to improve your strength. Gary Player, the great golfer from South Africa, was not a big man, but he had a lot of flights to get from South Africa to the PGA games. He did isometric exercises. So you use the time that you have. Uh, if you're seated like you and I are, you could be uh, doing toe raises, you could be stretching, uh, you could, you, could um, you know, any number of chair bound exercises to stretch your, your uh, hips, to stretch your core. Use the time that you have, be resourceful. And if you can't figure that out on your own, try to find somebody. People my age, many of them have silver sneakers where the AARP and their healthcare system encourages folks to stay active, whether they're chair bound or they're mobile. Um, if you can't figure it out on your own, Michelle, it's so important to first talk to your medical professionals, of course. I'm not saying just hop right in without the doctor giving them the okay. Um, but uh, once you get the okay, uh, find things that you can fit into your activities of daily life, perhaps changing them a little bit for the better, but find something that works. One of the reasons New Year's, we all know it, 90%, about 90% of all 2021 resolutions are going to fail because people pick goals that are too ambitious and they don't establish the sticky habits to make it work. So it's, uh, willpower is not enough doing it, even if it's five minutes. As I shared, it's wonderful if you can move 30 minutes a day. It can be six five-minute blocks. It could be taking the steps instead of the elevator. It could be park the car further out in the parking lot from the, from the um, store or the workplace. Motion is medicine. Figure out a way. We have, what is it, 86,400 seconds in a day. We can find time to move more than we do. Mm. And, oh, by the way, we should eat more. We should eat more slowly. I'm, I'm notorious for kind of like the military, three chews and a swallow. I, I eat too quickly. I should spend more time eating slowly. But aside from being at a, a food place, 
Um, we can find lots of useful time in a day to do things that are good for us. They may extend our lives. They may help us with the quality of our life um, because we're moving. So uh, start small, figure out things in the activities of your daily life that uh, can help you get your heart rate up just enough to uh, build capacity and have fun, have fun. You know, it could be uh, walk the dog more if you have a, a dog or the grandkids or coworkers or workout buddies. Uh, yes, yes, bud is not a good answer. Yes, and I can find 30 minutes a day out of um, however many minutes. Are, 86, find the seconds in a day. If there are 86,400 seconds in a day, you can find the seconds to invest in your physical bank. You can. Uh, doesn't mean you will because 90% of resolutions fail. But for those committed people that want to live longer and live better, the experience of motion, clean eating, good sleep, strength, stability, stamina, stretching, and don't stress, so important. So, mm-hmm. Oh, love it. Oh, it's so, so many. And so, I, I don't know, do I dare say it easy? I mean, it's it takes work, absolutely, like you said, but it's, it's so worth it. And just from your own example as well as the people you've worked with so powerful as well what that little bit of motion can do for you you could have a thousand excuses michelle all you need is that (laughs) one thing if you remember that i don't know if you saw the movie city slickers i don't see a lot of movies but i love jack palance Uh, curly was his name in city slickers and he tells billy crystal find that one thing billy crystal goes (laughs) curly what is it he said that's for you to find out don't look for the thousand yes buts. Find a yes and one thing that you can do to move more, to live longer and live better. It could be park the car further out. It could be uh, don't have your kid lift the grocery bags. You lift the grocery bags when you get home from the market. Uh, those kinds of things, that, as you said, easy or simple yet hard things to treat your body like a temple and treat it the way we evolved. It wasn't to sit. You know, in the, you know, the Old Testament, it doesn't say, you know, hey, people were busy. They both did the earth in seven days, right? They were busy. So uh, it, you're not to be sedentary. Mm-hmm. Sedentary is evil. Move. Absolutely. Well, David, how can people get in contact with you? <laughs> Thank you, Michelle. Uh, I am online. Even as a Luddite, I'm online. My email is dave at wellpast40, that's W-E-L-L-P-A-S-T-F-O-R-T-Y.com. And uh, on Twitter, if people are uh, tweeters, we know some people <laughs> recently that didn't that lost their Twitter accounts, but I still have mine. Um, uh, DEFP trainer, DEFP trainer on Twitter, Instagram. It's hashtag Kaboomer Coach, and that's with two K's: Kaboomer with a K and Coach with a K, just for fun. Uh, the website is wellpast40.com. Uh, I'm on the surf to try to teach people. Uh, my mistakes and my lessons learned so that folks can go out and do those easy things that you said to move to sweat, live longer, live better. So I'd love to hear from any listeners. Uh, I promise I'll do my best to, to respond, tell you what I know, tell you what I don't know, and encourage folks to do their best to invest in their physical bank uh, and enjoy the food experience too. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, David, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for all you do in the movement world, the motion world, and really helping people to inspire them essentially to extend their life, to have that desire to to do what they love and live well past 40. Thank you, Michelle. What an honor and a privilege to chat. Uh, and uh, thank you for your great questionings to um, perhaps extract a pearl or two from the all my mm-hmm. Vermonter words. So, <laughs> <laughs> wonderful.